The following audio content is a talk from Convergence, a service for young adults at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at upc.org forward slash young adults. We're, we're starting a whole new series called Get Your Boots On. And we're going to be looking at, at, at really what is it that we kind of are, are called to. Uh, what is it that God has in store for us as we begin to think about kind of ramping up for the fall? You know, there's all kinds of stuff that's ahead of all of us. I mean, some of us are super excited. We got, you know, either a new job or a new school that is in store for us. And we're beginning to maybe a new program. And there's nothing but adventure and hope in front of us. And some of us are still looking for jobs and are frustrated or feel like we're stuck at jobs. And as we begin to ramp up for the fall, we come with a sense of perhaps excitement, perhaps a sense of being burdened. There is good stuff in store for us. I think as I began to think about what we were going to talk about for the fall, you know, I, I began thinking about kind of my summer. And there's this one image I want to share with you. I, I had a great summer. I'm excited for the fall and all that that means. But uh, summer is never long enough for me. Okay, Not that I'm not excited to be here, but there's just never enough time to get everything in. Right. Especially here when it's like, here's, I, if I don't get the sun today, right, it's going to be gone tomorrow. You, you never know. And I, but I, I did everything I could to check it off. You know, I, I had a great concert at the Gorge with my wife. I went on this fantastic hike that almost killed me, to be honest, with my friend. Um, but the best thing of all is I got to spend time with my boys. It, it, for those of you who are new, I, I have two little boys, Noah, who's four, and Caleb, who's two. And, and I actually, my, work, my wife uh, works during the summer, and it's kind of one of her big kind of times. She's an event planner, and she's this huge event. So I was by myself with the boys for a little bit. Uh, which meant that my summer was fun, but was exhausting. All right, I'm not going to bore you with too many kids' stories, but let me just tell you: these guys are these guys are kick. They are so much fun. They're at that stage where they it, everything is an adventure. They're excited about everything. They're ready to jump off of everything. See, no, now Noah, he actually can climb, and he climbs to the top of the structure we have in the back of our thing, and he's, he's kind of hanging upside down, and I'm okay with that. He's, he's okay. He's big enough, but Caleb is too, and Caleb is just like, hey, that looks cool. I'm going to do it, right? He can't, I mean, he is constantly about to run off of stuff all the time, run into traffic. I mean, it's amazing that he hasn't hurt himself seriously. It is exhausting being around these guys. But it is. I wouldn't have it any other way because they are just ready to do anything. Noah is so excited about exploring the world around him, about about helping me, and and so is Caleb. You know, as much as he can, he's kind of he can barely walk, but he's coming along. I, I was painting this week, this summer. He was like, "Yeah, Dad, I want to I want to paint too." You know, just shoving his hand right in the bucket. <laughs> Come on. Noah and I were in the backyard, and I, the image that I want to share with you that I love is is Caleb. <laughs> it might be a little disturbing. That's warning you right now. Uh, Noah and I were in the backyard. We're playing around. We're having a, having a good time. Caleb was taking a nap. He, he came out and he knew that there was a party that was happening outside, right? He cannot stand that he is not a part of that. I mean, whatever Noah's doing, he's going to do. So all he did is he's like, I just got to get out there. So he comes running out. I mean, he gets some shoes on. He comes running out with boots and nothing else. <laughs> it was awesome. He's just like, boom, let's go. What are we doing? I mean, now he had a diaper, okay, I'll, I'll give him that. But it was just this awesome moment of like, he is ready to go with all the excitement in, in the world, and yet the guy has no pants. I mean, 
Maybe some of us feel like that sometimes. You know, you jump in with all the excitement in the world, and pretty soon you realize, oh, man, I am not prepared. I'm not ready to go. Some of us who are a little smarter actually know that we don't have any pants on and don't even maybe perhaps even start out because we just know there's no way that we can do it. Well, that's where we begin to think about this series as we think about there is something that God has in store for us. This image that I, I love, this is from Matt Whitney. Uh, he's a local artist, part of this uh, wider UPC community. And, and I love it because there's, there's a sense of, you know, there is something for us to do, and yet we got to also prepare. we gotta, we got to get our boots up. we gotta, we got to get ready. If we're going to live into what God has for us, he pulled this off of Psalm 96, which says, hey, declare the glory of the Lord before the nations. In other words, there's something good about God that we need to proclaim to the world around us. And yet if we're going to do it, if we're going to live into the very best of it, we have to. There's a sense of preparation. There's a sense of uh, of making sure that we we have what we need before we start out. As great as this hike was with my friend, if we didn't have the right boots, we we, we never would have made it. As a matter of fact, we barely made it up the hill as it was with the right equipment. You know, blisters are going out all over the place, and so it, for some of us, I, I, there is we we come with this mixture. Excitement. Some of us are going, I just, I, I long for that, but I don't really know that I could do it. I'm not even going to necessarily try. What we're going to do this fall is to begin to think about what would it mean for us personally? What would it mean for us as a community to, to begin to live into what God wants to do? Not just, not just that we would talk about what God would want to do. Not that we, there would be nice words, but that we could actually kind of put boots to pavement in a sense. That we could live this out wherever God has called us, into whatever situation He's called us, whether it be a great job, great program, no job or a dead-end job. That we can figure out what is it that God wants to do in and through us. What we got to do, though, is we got we got to start at the beginning. Because whether we are intimidated to even start or whether we start off with all the enthusiasm in the world, we have to remember... Where are we starting from? And so we're going to look at the call narratives. The, the narratives that Je- of Jesus calling his very first disciples. As he walks up and he says, I want you to, to follow me. We're going to look at it in Matthew and, and John and Luke and, and discover perhaps maybe something that we need to remember that we've forgotten. Maybe for some of us it was going to be to discover something that, that we didn't even know was true about the Christian life. We have a concept of what it means to follow Jesus, but we didn't know that it included that. And so we're going to start there, and then we're going to move into Nehemiah and talk about what does this mean for us as a community? After we kind of get kind of fundamentals down, what does this mean for us as a community? Well, tonight we're going to start the Gospel of Matthew. And if you have your Bibles, pull them out. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. And I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles to convergence. This is an opportunity, especially when we start looking at, at the call, at these call narratives, that when Jesus says, come, I want you to, to follow me. That, that this is an opportunity for you to write down, where is Jesus calling you? To, to put in notes, to, to interact with the scripture. And so bring your Bibles with you. I mean, we'll have it up on the screen, but you can't replace having uh, your own words. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew 4, verses, starting in verse 17. I'm going to read up from up here. Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, 
for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called to them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, the story that we begin to hear what it was like for the very first people who were called to follow you. We thank you that Matthew recorded these words for us under the guidance of your spirit. And Lord, we pray that that same spirit would, would teach us what we need to hear today about what you are about and what you are calling us to. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Pray this in your name. Amen. We'll set the scene just a little bit. We're right at the beginning. Jesus is, is just starting. Nobody even knows who this guy is, really. And he's coming along, and there's all kinds of people who are, who are listening to him. And his early message is this, this repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And yet these guys that we're interacting with, they're fishermen. They're just common Joes. They're not the smartest guys. They're not the dumbest guys. They're not at the top kind of of the social structure. They're not at the bottom. You know, they just sort of figured it out. They said, you know, here's the place that I fit. In the midst of all that is going on, there's this, there's this major power that's, that's rolled through. Rome. They've taken over, and yet, you know, there's revolt that's not too far back in our history, and yet we got crushed again. And so there's so much that is going on. There's chaos going on, yet they realize that they weren't able to kind of rise to the top. And so what they've done is they kind of figured out their place. And then here comes Jesus. He's got this message. And this message is this. They repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the first thing that I think we need to hear is that there is this immediate kind of sense that the moment is right now, that, that there is something that is happening. There is something that is going on that, that is going to break into these guys' lives, the, the lives that they've figured out, the lives that, that they've settled in and, and done well, and, and it's going to mess them up. They're going to be excited about it. They're going to be frustrated about it. They're not going to really know what, what to do. There's something that's happening. So let's just do a little bit of Greek. I'm not going to bore you too much. But this is where we can look into this and figure out what is it the kingdom of heaven is near? What does that even mean? We've talked about it a little, a little bit before here. And yet I, I know that as we talk about, you know, there being power in the blood, we also talk about the kingdom of heaven is near. Well, what does that mean? Well, repent. First of all, this word repent. Sometimes we think repent is all about, oh, I've got to feel really bad about myself. I, I gotta turn. I, I, I gotta, I, I gotta somehow come up with a whole list of things that, that is really bad that I've done and, and, and then I can repent. Well, the problem is for some of us, we, we know that we're not perfect, but also there's some of us that go, I, I, I'd have to manufacture something, to be honest, if I'm really gonna really repent. I'm not sure I'm really ready to repent. Well, here's what repent is going on. Sometimes it does mean the sense of confessing where you are. But really what it is about is saying, hey, look, that way, that way is not the way I want to go. I want to go this way. The repent is this word, uh, metanoeo, where it has to do with changing one's mind. It has to do with shifting one's purpose. And, and so it could be from one thing that is particularly bad, perhaps, a way of life 
a thing, a situation, a behavior, what we might call a sin that is particularly destructive. And you say, I've got to shift my attention away from this. Or it could just be, hey, listen, there's something new that is going on. And so I need to shift my attention over there. I was walking this way and walking this way made sense. And in life makes sense if I, if I walk this way. And yet there's something over here. And so I can actually shift into this direction. I wouldn't be able to do it except that there's something new that's happening. And that's where we, we can begin to push on. What, what is this kingdom of heaven? Well, the, the word there is this basileia, and it has to do with kingdom. Now, a kingdom, again, doesn't really help us. But it also has to do with, with what a king is about. This word basileia, that it has to do with power. It has to do with sovereignty. So it has to do with authority. So maybe for tonight, for the purposes of tonight, we could just say it has to do with power. That somehow there is a new power that has come near. So now some of your Bibles say at hand. Some of your Bibles might say come near. I love George, uh, senior pastor, was talking on Sunday and he kind of, he started this off. He said, you know, I, I've tried to figure out what is it that, that mean the kingdom of heaven is, is at hand. I've studied it and I've thought about it. And I, I think what it means is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right? It was just wonderfully simple. It's that sense of it is near. That the kingdom of heaven is not far away. It is actually close. It is right here. That if you actually maybe just turn around, shift directions, that you can actually step into the power of God. One of the things that we need to hear real clearly is that the kingdom of God is not far away. But the power of God, the authority of God is right close Right here. We think that sometimes we get the idea that God is right, the, the big gray bearded dude way up on the mountain somewhere. And heaven is somewhere far off or, or perhaps it's somewhere far in the future. And, and to some degree it is that, that, that we're talking about a reality, a power that is very different from what we know now. From just kind of everyday life. And yet it doesn't mean that it's that far away. It is beginning now. This idea of at hand, come near. If we look into the grammar of it, it, the verb is this. It captures the sense of it's happened, and yet it continues to happen. Like it somehow has distinctly started, and yet it now continues to break in each and every day, in each and every moment. That we get a a little bit more of it all the time. And so to say that the kingdom of God is near or at hand is to say that that the kingdom of God is breaking into our lives each and every day. So turn. Change your direction. Change your purpose. See we we can begin to to think about life and and like these guys, you know, we can have a sense of uh, making life work. And yet we might have a sense of it works, and yet maybe there's something more. And this is where we have to think very clearly, remember very clearly, maybe even here for the first time, that God's power is not someday, not for you when you die, but it's for right now to break into your life, to bring about something new. It's what happens when when someone not just kind of comes up with a better idea and shifts direction. If it was a good idea before, why didn't they do it? Why didn't you do it? Why aren't you doing what you need to do? You know you need to do it. Why aren't you leaving behind that 
the way of being that you know is pretty toxic. Well, it's because it's not about whether it's a good idea or not. It's about whether God's power is at work in your life, about whether you are stepping into that. It's when you see somebody begin to, to move away from something that, and you just don't have any explanation for it, it's because the kingdom of God is actually crashing into their lives and freeing them in ways that, that they were not able to experience before. It wasn't just because they, they gritted their teeth and it was an act of will. See, there's this conviction that, that we have here, that I, that I have. I've grown over the while. As I, as I begin to think, I've gone through the, the, the let's just be a good Christian stuff in my life. I'm going to be good for God because that's what God wants. And began to, to realize more and more because I've seen it again and again that, that actually, you know, God is at work all around us. And the only thing I need to do is pay attention and to figure out where he's moving. It's what, it's what I love about fall, this fall facelift thing. That, that there is something, it popped up. I mean, in some ways, we've run into some frustrations if we, as we've tried to organize it because, gosh darn it, it just, we don't have enough lead time on it. We're not able to kind of to get everything in, you know, on the right time so that we can get it into the bulletin and all this other stuff. I wish God would have would have waited or let us know a little earlier. And yet there's just something that is cropping up. And there are people that are rising to the occasion saying, I want to be a part of it. I'll help organize it. I'll help sign people up. There's this opportunity. We're not going to go back to the folks down at Ray's and go, hey, sorry, it just is not real convenient. No, there's something that's happening. God is doing something around us. And our opportunity is to simply wake up and say, what is it? And how can we align ourselves with that? My hope is that, that this place, just so we all have a sense of clarity on, on what this place is to be about, that this is a place where we gather and ask the question, what is God doing? That, that we affirm that the kingdom is all around us, that, that it is active, that, that God is on the loose, that He's not just sitting back waiting for us to do something. That this is a place where we can come and say, individually and as a community, where is it that God is moving and how can we join Him with that? Well, if there's a sense of excitement in what's going on, these guys, you have to, you have to realize that these guys had to be shocked that, that Jesus would even walk by and include them. There, there's a sense of them going, who, like, me? Who, me? Really? Is it Jesus is walking by. See, we pick up on this narrative and it seems like Jesus just walked up to him and, and they've never met him before and he says, come and follow me. No, they've actually been listening to him for a while. And yet, as we go on, it says this, that, that as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting nets into a lake for they were fishermen. And he says, come, follow me. You ever... We all kind of settle into life, right? We settle in with a certain set of circumstances and, and we kind of we think, you know, there's certain kinds of people who will talk to me and there's certain kinds of opportunities that will come my way because I just, I, I just kind of know who I am. You know, like, I just, this, is, this is what I've been called into. And I'm not going to get my hopes up. And, and yet it's always kind of scary when our hopes do get... I mean, Raised, right? I mean, you, you think about this like on a college campus, and it, I, I'm just thinking about. I went to this little private Christian school, you know, and you quickly, pretty, you know, like who the cool people are, who the beautiful people are, and where you are, which is usually not in either of those categories, right? 
It's that opera, it's that time where there's that just incredible blonde bombshell that you know never even like, like knows who you are, knows your name, and she waves at you. And you're like, me? Who, me? And you're kind of looking around, you start waving, and then you realize that she's looking actually at the, the jock behind you, right? It's the, oh, am I the only guy that's ever had that? I know I'm not. And you just go, wait a second, me? And most oftentimes we realize not. And yet here, there's got to be that sense where these guys are going, is he talking to us? We're, we're fishermen. See, if you're going to have a rabbi, a traveling teacher, he's not going to actually come up and recruit you. I mean, that's the first thing. See, here's the deal. If, if you want to be kind of a disciple, a follower, what you do is you, you look around, you go, who's the smartest teacher out there? And then I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to prove that I'm actually good enough to follow you. And I'm, I'm going to keep following you. I'm going to keep following you until you finally go, yeah, you're worthy. I guess you can become my disciple. And then at that point, you're going to just do, you're going to actually imitate every single thing that they do. See, fishermen already would have blown it because they'd already proved that they weren't smart enough. They're fishermen because they're not able to go up to the next level. So to have Jesus come up and say, come and follow me, I mean, the first thing they got to be doing is like, me? You? What? Us? I mean, did you realize we smell of dead fish? I mean, I mean what, are we, what are we supposed to do here? And yet Jesus not only picks, not only goes up and, and invites, but he actually comes up and he says, look, I want fishermen. Not the smartest guys in the room, the guys that got passed up. There's this great moment where I, I think you know, Scripture oftentimes has this. Uh, there, there's, there's lots of humor in it if we can see it, if we can, if we can let Scripture kind of be a, this living thing that interacts with us. There's this moment. You know, it's kind of you wonder what's going on with the reiteration that they were casting their nets into the lake for they were fishermen. And it's just like, okay. Why else would they be casting their nets into the lake, right? And I think what we need to hear, though, is that, that Matthew wanted to say, hey, they were casting their nets into the lake. Just letting you know, this wasn't sport fishing. These guys were fishermen. Fishermen, that's right. These aren't the people that normally get asked to get followed by a rabbi. There's a sense that they thought, you know, there's something that is going on. I, I hear about this itinerant teacher. We'll just be observers, you know, we're not going to be at the center of the attention yet. Jesus says, I want you to be right in the middle of it. That, that you have incredible value, not because of what you've done to prove yourself to me, simply because of what I am going to do in you. And, and, and I think that there is this moment for all of us where we get caught in between excitement and fear. I, I, I don't know about you. I, I'm somebody who dreams big dreams. I'm just a, I'm a vision guy. I'm a dreamer. And I, and I think about what is it that could possibly happen, and my mind often goes to these huge visions. I begin to ask questions as I begin to see things that God is doing in this community, even as we, this church is reorganizing and, and we're, we're changing, and what is going on in, in churches around Seattle, and, and even more so, what, what is happening as people are beginning to say, I think God is doing something. I've had these conversations again and again and again, and, and I begin to, what, what does that mean for convergence? What does it mean for, for this community? And I begin to dream big dreams and wonder, is it that God wants us to grow? And, and what does that even mean? For us to grow in numbers? 
That'd be great. More people that could understand who God is. Is it meant that we're supposed to grow in depth? Understand more and better who God is? Is it supposed to, that we're supposed to grow in impact? I I don't know. And and yet I I begin to to vision what is it that could happen as this, there seems to be this, this power that is at work that is outside of me and outside of us. And then, and yet at the very same time, I immediately go, how in the world am I supposed to be a part of that? How, how in the world am I going to actually do that? So it's funny how we oftentimes, as soon as we begin to, to dream, what is it that God maybe might want to do in our lives, that we immediately start to think, I, maybe I, I'm the only one. But I begin to think immediately, there's no way that I could do that. We get caught in this place where we begin to wonder, what, what, what to do? There's a great vision. There's a great dream. There's a call. And yet when I look at my life, it seems impossible. I hear that God wants me, that he's calling me. I hear that, that Jesus died for me, and yet he doesn't know who I am. That, that would be great. I would love to experience a sense of forgiveness in my life. I would love to ha- have a sense of being known and not being uh, on my own, feeling like I have to, I have to carve out absolutely everything. I, I would love to have a sense of knowing that, that there is grace because all I know is that there is performance and I can't ever match up to it. I, I would love that, but does he know who I am? I, I actually don't. I can't do it. I'm not that person. I'm not that good. My brokenness, where I come from, my family, is too great. I hear God wants to do something with me and through me that, and yet I barely have control of my life. He doesn't want me around. And yet Jesus looks at us and he says, you know, you don't think you're moral enough or righteous enough or spiritual enough or smart enough or well-read enough. And yet this isn't really a question so much as a command. You, I want you. A fisherman. Somebody who should get passed by. I want you to come and follow me. See, if I want this community to to be a place where we pay attention to and, and affirm that God is doing stuff all around us and in the city, I also want it to be a place where we can be where we can be the person that comes in here and goes, Who me? Me? That that we can we can come in and go. I know that God's doing something, but I just can't resolve some doubt. I just feel, I just don't even, I would love to feel something, but I don't feel anything. My heart is as cold as can be. I would love to get excited, but I just can't. That this would be a place where we can be honest. Where we can sit in that place where, where that pinch point for a lot of us, between excitement and fear, between a sense of a great call and a sense of despair because we know that we cannot do it. Because here's the thing. If we can be that people, and I've, I've lived long enough in this faith to know this, that if we can be that, if we can sit into that place and not give up hope, that is actually where God's power is at work. That when I begin to dream big dreams and hopes for, for myself and what I could be a part of and what I could do and what my church could be a part of, what my community could be a part of, and I begin to realize that I can't do it. In fact, it scares the crap out of me to even think about it. 
Because I am for sure set up for failure that when I realize that I'm in that place, that that's the place where God's power is going to break in. Because when I think that I can handle it, man, I don't need God. Man, I don't, I don't open up to God at all. There's no changing. There's no repenting. There's no metanoia where I'm going to shift my purpose. It's like, no, I'm just going to keep on do, being a good person. And, and my impact is going to be as good as my good behavior, which really is not going to have much impact at all. And yet if we can sit in that place and go, Lord, I don't know what to do without you. We're in a place to be seeing God do something big. Last point is this. It, is that Jesus says, look, I, I want you to come and follow me. And here's what I'm going to do. I will make you fishers of men. There's a sense in, in which they say, yeah, I want God to do something in my life. But Jesus is actually saying, I actually, look, I want to bless you. I want to do something. I want you to know forgiveness. I want you to know grace. But I'm not blessing you just for your own sake. I'm blessing you because I want you to be a blessing to others. It goes back to the calls of Abraham way back in the beginning of Genesis. God calls this guy Abraham and he says, look, I'm going to call you out and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to do all kinds of great stuff in your life. But the whole purpose of it is that I want you then to be a blessing to others. That I am going to do something in you in in which you are going to be part of opening up people's eyes. Not to your power, not to what you're about, but to my power. What I'm about, what I want to do in this world. I will make you fishers of men. You don't have to worry about being educated enough, smart enough, passionate enough. You just need to be worried about whether you're going to follow me or not whether you're going to obey the command that I'm giving you to come and follow me, or whether you're going to turn the other way and sit in the fact that you feel like you can't do it. You read this passage, and I think that the thing that strikes us, that that pops out to us, is that it seems so immediate. I mean, in fact, they use that language, at once they left their nets and followed him. We hear that they went on to the second group, James and John, and we read that immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. And, and I think we, we cringe. We go, what are they doing? That seems impossible. It's irresponsible. It doesn't make sense. That's not the way it works. And yet I wonder if we cringe because we know how hard it is that we work to find our place in life, to master something. To carve out some little niche, to, to somehow prove that we're valuable, that we can play a role in this society, that we can, we can provide for ourselves. And we don't know what to do when God comes along and says, listen, your value has nothing to do with what you do. Your value has to do with the fact that you're my child. Yes, I'm gonna have, you're gonna work and I've given you gifts and you're gonna use your hands and yet your provision ultimately comes not from you, but, but from me. And not all of us are going to drop nets. Certainly most of us aren't fishermen. I don't know if anybody... Anybody fishermen in here? Anglers? Okay, angler. Thanks, bro. I want to be. Someday I will be. Um, none of us... Um, None of us are going to drop our nets and maybe change it. And for most of us, most of us are not going to just walk away from the career that we're in. But all of us are going to come to this point where we're going to have to say, where is my... Where is my hope going to lie? 
Is it going to lie in the fact that, that I've had a sense of, I've created something in which there's a sense of security around me? And, and no matter how much we have a sense of preparing for, it's always going to come at us immediately. There's always going to be this moment where God's going to say, You're not, I might not ask you to walk away from your job, from your career, from your schooling. But I am going to ask you this. Will you trust in me and what I want to do in you? Or are you going to sit in the place of comfort? Are you going to sit in your apathy? Are you going to sit in your cynicism because you've been burned before? You've been disappointed before, and so you're cynical. And it makes sense, and it gives you a direction in life. At some point, are you going to let that go? And when it comes, it's going to feel like it's going to come like a freight train. Are you willing to let it go for something better? Are you willing to let go of the fact that you, you've developed a sense of control, competency in your life? And, and that's not a, necessarily a bad thing, but are, are you going to let that go as kind of the central thing in your life that guides you? At some point, we're going to have to let it go and go on this journey in which we become transformed, in which Jesus says, look, I don't want you to fig- think you have to figure it out from the beginning. I just want you to follow me and I'm going to do in you what you cannot do in yourself. I'm going to so transform your character. I'm going to, I'm going to teach you about a, a word, a gospel, a good news that you can be able to share with no matter where you're at in which you can open up people's eyes to the fact that, that they are not alone in this world, that there's a God who loves them wants to forgive them, wants to bring new life to them. I'm going to do something in you that you can't even conceive of. I'm going to heal generational sin in a way that you've given up on. The issue is not what you're going to do for me, but what I'm going to do through you. If you'll simply follow me, I will make you into people who capture the hearts of those around you. So my question for us as we begin this year really is this, is what does God want to do in us? What does God want to do in you? I think it's big things. I don't know what that looks like. It's up to God to decide what that looks like. But I take hope in this and Gospel of John describes it this way, is that this is not about what you are doing to impress God. That You didn't choose God, but God chose you. And He wants to bear fruit in your life, which is to say, He wants to, you to experience a sense of not just being productive, not just winning approval. He wants to do something in you in which there is a real sense of significance and healing. He wants you to know a love that you haven't known before. He has appointed us. He has called us into a life that is bigger than us. It's not about what we did. It's about His call in our lives. What does He want to do in you? What does He want to do through us? The question is, are we willing to give up? Perhaps for some of us, we, we, figure, like, we figure out the Christian thing and we're doing, we're doing really well. And we look really good and people think we're really nice and spiritual. Are you willing to give that up? to experience God's power in your life? Are we willing to risk to see what God would have in store for us that is bigger than what we can do as a group? My prayer is that that would be so. Let me pray.
Lord, thanks that you jump into our lives. And unexpectedly, you say, hey, get your boots on. Now's the time. Let's go. And it's not because you're doing anything great, but because I want to do something in you if you're willing to follow. Lord, we open our eyes to those places in which uh, we're holding back because it's scary to venture out beyond what we know, what we've carved out. Will you bug us? Will you bother us to not let go of the dreams that you've placed in our heart, that perhaps the hope of what you could do in our lives until we turn into your kingdom and begin to experience your power in our lives as we follow you. Don't worry about getting it perfect, but let you do in us what we feel powerless to do on our own. Free us from simply playing the game to being people who are transformed, who are changed into your likeness. Christ in your name, amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio Email audio at upc.org or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.